You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. Before I go into the word, I do want to pray over the service. So, Lord, we just thank you so much for bringing us here today. We thank you for the opportunity to hear your word, to grow from you. I ask for you to open our hearts, remove all distractions, and I ask for you to just fill me with your word. Have our ears open to receive you today. In your name, amen. All right. Well, a bit about me. I am from Cincinnati, Ohio. Who day, all the things. Swifties are out and about this weekend. It has been crazy. Um, Whether you are an FC fan, Reds fan, we are doing it. Cincinnati is on the map. Thank you very much, although I've always known that. And I went to Auburn University, so I don't know if I see any of my War Eagle partners out there, but I don't want to hear any Roll Tide, so just let that go. You can can go somewhere if that is you, (laughs) not here. Um, But I went to Auburn, so in Alabama, and then made my way back to Cincinnati. And I grew up with great parents. Hey, Mom! see you in the audience and uh, two brothers I believe there's a few pictures of young Tiff up here uh, yep that's that is young Tiffany and the funny thing is I'm still about the same size but I have grown mentally I was facetiming with my niece yesterday she's six and she said auntie I'm like your size and I almost hung up <laughs> And I'm like, you are, but we're not going to talk about that. But yes, I am, I am a small but mighty, um, but thank God for growth. And uh, fast forward to now, I do have a lovely family of my own. That fine man who was just on the stage, Miko, woo! And then there's Miko Jr. as well. That is my bonus son. He is in Charlotte, North Carolina. A lot of you have met him. He is such a special person. And uh, there's more. There's more. So I think we have one more picture. That's baby Zion. (laughs) He says hello. He says hello. (laughs) So he will make an appearance. He's already a star on screens and such. He'll make an appearance here in the fall. Um, But yeah, so that is my little family. And uh, if you're taking notes today, just to transition a little bit into the message, highly encourage you to take it on your phone, on the notes, wherever you have it. Um, But the title of the message is called, Trusting God Was Always the Answer. And I'm going to take you on a journey through my life. (laughs) So you know how there's people who, when they make decisions, they really like look at calculated risk They look at the data. They look at people's past experiences. They get advice. They do all the things that you probably should do. I was the opposite. And what I would do was I might get that information. I would soak it in. Then I would say, yeah, I'm going to do it anyway. And just figure it out. I was very curious. Um, I was also kind of shy. So as you saw from the pictures, looked very innocent, um, but I was a curious, very rebellious person. And I wanted to find out things for myself. And so that led to a lot of sneaky behavior. And uh, I remember at the age of five or six, I wanted to tap into my little klepto habit. And I don't even know if my mom knows this, but here you are. Um, 
I love Snickers. I love Snickers bars. And um, I, I did eat a lot of junk food when I was younger. And I decided that I wanted to start stealing them when we would go to the grocery store. And so I would steal these king-size Snickers bars. And I would feel so empowered and just like, it gave me my little bite-sized self a rush. And I let the klepto stuff go. I did not continue to steal. Um, But that's kind of what started the the ball rolling over being this little risk taker. And as the years went on, one risk will lead to another risk, will lead to another risk. And the more I got away with it, the more I wanted to do it. And uh, that led to really when I was around about the age of 15 or 16, I was trying several different drugs several. So it was an escalation um, over the years. And if I got caught, which I did at different times, I would change for a little bit, and then I would fall right back into the habit. By the time I got to college, I was a heavy, heavy partier. That's really how people knew me. My friends and I, we would drink, we would smoke, we would black out. But it was to the point where I was functioning just fine when I was drunk or high or what have you. And then the next day, people would laugh and joke about all the things that happened, and I rem- remembered none of it. Like, and I was in so many situations where it could have led to a lot of danger, but thank you for covering. But I was also a very gullible person, a person who would give my heart away. Um, I trusted people, and it led to me getting my heart broken a lot, um, over and over again, relationship to relationship. But the interesting part is my parents kept me in church, like, throughout my life. Like, I remember growing up every bit, I was always in church, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night in church. And I still, I would walk around and I would say I was a Christian. Everybody knew that. Everybody knew where I was going to be really on Sunday mornings, most of them. But my actions did not align whatsoever to being a Christian and what that really looks like. But from the outside looking in, it looked like I had a great life. I was successful at work. I bought my first house when I was in my mid-20s. I had a lot of friends, so people thought I was just living, and that's, that's what it looked like. That's how I portrayed it also, but on the inside, I was really crumbling. I was dying, and I was tired. I was tired of me more than anything else, and really, I was also tired of being around people, but always feeling empty. Like, there was never a time that I can remember not always being around someone. I always had to be doing something, but I always felt empty when I would go home. And so at some point, I realized that I was just chasing after the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, and I was never satisfied. And just when I was about to pick up and leave the city, start a new life, go where maybe people don't know me, I called out to God first, and it was, I mean, my move was in motion. It was, everything was happening. I was going down there to visit, like everything was happening. But I called out to God, really in desperation. 
I said, God, I'm tired. I'm not happy. I'm not satisfied. I'm broken. My heart keeps getting broken. I need you. I need a new church home. I need something. And just like God, he was already in motion of this. He already knew what I needed. And he's like, yeah, I know you think you're moving, but you're not. (laughs) I need you here. And there are several reasons why. And so over the next couple of months, he coordinated my steps with someone else who had just moved here to help launch this church. And we exchanged information. Um, I ended up coming to the launch parties and such, and I joined, like, right away. And I was like, this is different. I don't, I don't know what it is, but this is really different. And my life started to change very quickly. And I'm, I'm sitting in, like, we would meet every Sunday at the Marriott in Oakley or Hyde Park, whatever Rookwood is considered. People call it both. Um, but we would meet at that Marriott, and we would have church service there. And we would worship, and I would find myself just crying. And I had no idea why. We would sing about how beautiful Jesus' name is, how we can trust him, all of these things. And I would just be in tears. Like, I feel different. I don't know what this is, but I feel different. And as I was crying and over the the months to come, I realized I never knew Jesus in an intimate relationship way to trust him or really give my life to him. I knew I knew about him. I knew all what all the books of the Bible were in the order. I knew that, you know, but I didn't know anything about a relationship. And so my journey really started from that point of really diving deep with, with Jesus. And it wasn't just upward, like, at all. So I, I know some of you might relate to maybe you're, you're finding Jesus and maybe wanting to do the things that he wants you to do. But you also have your life over here that you're living, and it looks different from what Jesus might want you to do. And so I would teeter-totter. I would be in. I would be here every Sunday serving, you know, doing all the things, wanting to, to be who I needed to be. But I was also over here, my friends, my lifestyle, all of that was pulling me in that direction because that's what I knew for the last several years of my life. And I remember I would look at Christians at church and I just thought I was different. I thought I was just built to be rebellious. And I just thought that they were built to follow Jesus and do all the things that they were supposed to do. And at one point, this was before I knew grace and understood grace, forgiveness, all of that, I said, I wasn't made like that. I guess I'm just different. I'll never be perfect like them. So I guess I'm just going to hell. And I settled with that. 
And I would just say like, oh, I'll just live a little bit, you know. I still, you know, I'm still a Christian, but I'm just not perfect, so I'm not going to heaven. So there were just so many misconstrued thoughts going on in my head. And part of that is heavily the enemy. But over time, every time I would slip back into that lifestyle, I would have a deeper eagerness and urge to get back to Jesus. And so I never gave up. I never stopped trying. I never stopped going to church. And I didn't know how much I was changing, but I was at a very rapid pace. And then it got to a point where the things that I desired before, I had no desire for that anymore. Like, it was a a radical transformation. But that radical transformation still took time. And I still had to give myself grace while I went on that journey. And then I began to really trust God. And I would say, okay, I'm just going to say yes. I'm just going to say yes to God and see what that looks like. And when I would say yes, amazing things started to happen. My life was more peaceful. I was happier. I might not have had any friends or just a couple who stayed around for the journey. But I was never alone anymore. Like I felt fulfilled. And so I want to tell I want to talk about a story of the Bible that I absolutely love that is built on trust and desperation. And uh, that is in Mark chapter 5. So if you want to make your way there, we will have the verses on the screen as well. But it is the story of the woman with the bleeding condition. And that's what she was labeled as too. She wasn't given a name, you know, at the start of this. She, that's how she was called. And so starting in verse 25, it says, A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors, and over the years she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus, so she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, If I could just touch his robe, I will be healed. Immediately the bleeding stopped, and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Now Jesus realized at once that healing power had gone out from him, so he turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, and I feel like this is like wildly sarcastic to say to Jesus, and it makes me laugh. But they turn to him and they say, look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? Like, it's all these people in here. Like, what do you mean? And so he says, but, but he kept on looking around to see who had done it. Then the frightened woman trembling at the realization of what had happened because pause, she had a bleeding condition. And back in the day, if you were bleeding, you were considered unclean. You were not supposed to be out in public. You were supposed to be barren to your home. And if you did go in public and you touched someone else, they were now unclean. And you could also be killed for that. So she was scared because she was found out. But that's why she wanted to touch his robe rather than him. If I just touch a piece But Jesus being Jesus, he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. She got a name. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. 
And I love this story because it points out several, several things for us to realize. One is we are all dealing with waiting seasons where our trust and our faith will be tested. So let me just ask you all, by a show of hands, how many people are waiting on something, praying for something? Whether it's small, big, large, whether you've been waiting a week, a month, lots of hands. We are all waiting on something at some point. She waited for 12 years, was barren for 12 years, was lonely for 12 years, tried different things for 12 years and got worse. That was really my journey. I tried so many different things. I hung out with so many different people and I only got worse. And so two, she knew about Jesus from what she heard from others. So she was sick, she was tired, she was ready to be freed from this pain. And somehow, bless you, somehow, (laughs) I mean, we're in church, so even like more so. um, She heard about this healing, this power of this man from other people and went out, risked her life to get to him. And my message to you with this point is now is not the time for us to sit back. Now is not the time for us to be quiet about our faith and about what God has done for us. That's why it's comfortable for me to talk about my life because I know what the other side looks like now. And I want everybody to experience that. And so if I share something that is very vulnerable, that helps someone else, their faith and their miracles could depend on that. So it is not time for us to sit back. The next thing is she had a desperation for Jesus. Now, there is a such thing as good desperation and bad desperation, My desperation was to go to whatever would satisfy whatever sadness or feeling I was having at that time. And so it just was a a consistent go party, feel bad, go party, feel bad, date someone, feel bad. Like it just was, it was constant. But I was crying out in desperation and didn't really know that at the time. On the other hand, this lady, her desperation is I'm going to risk it all to get to Jesus. And the way that Miko put this was, her healing was the fruit of desperation when it's done right. And I love that. Because when we do lean on God and we're desperate from him, for him, amazing things happen. And then lastly, with this point, her level of faith led to action. So make no mistake, when you're praying... When you're desperate for God, that moves him. When she reached out and she was desperate enough to go into a crowd where she knew she wasn't supposed to be, it ended up leading to Jesus saying the words, your faith has healed you. So what does your faith look like? Is it big faith? Is it, oh, maybe it'll happen? Or are you truly believing for it? And one of my greatest believing and trusting stories with God was with my dating life. 
Shout out to Boo Thang. Hello. So a few years ago, almost two, two years ago, almost to the date, on July 25th, 2021, I stood on stage at Memorial Hall talking to our church about the importance of waiting on God. I would always get questions. Are you dating anyone? Are you this? Are you that? God took me out the dating game. I was done. I didn't know what I was doing. I said, okay, this is yours now. I don't know what I'm doing, so please help. (laughs) Send help. And I basically feel like I was just like cut off until I truly surrendered to him. Little did I know that I would be married by the end of that year. Happened very quickly. (laughs) Very quickly, and here we are now. (laughs) About to bring another little Miko in the world. Um, But it's it's just amazing how things happen. And I'm not going to say speed is the same for every person. What I am saying is when you surrender and you allow him to take control, you can put full trust in the journey that he's taking you on. And so... There are several things that I can talk about where I've had to do that. But before we go, I want to talk about what trust is not. Number one, your trust will not come without work. So the same way you don't really trust someone in this world without really getting to know them, you have to get to know God. You have to. And the best way to do that, you can listen to different people's experiences and different pastors and things like that. But the best way is for you to get in his word. You have to know the Bible. You have to read the Bible. If that just means starting with just a few verses a day, that's okay. That's how I did it. And now I've read the Bible front to back multiple times. And I truly can say that I know his character. So I know him to trust him. The second thing is trusting God will not come without the enemy's manipulation. So worry and fear and doubt and control and all the things will come up as you try to increase your trust in God. But you have to, again, know him to recognize the difference between the two. Where is it coming from? And this week, I even, the last two weeks, I had an experience that led me into a spiral. So as we talked about, pregnant. And uh, things have been going great. And I went to the doctor. One, I had crazy pains. Um, and I thought they were normal. And I was just like, oh, it's okay. You know, I go to the doctor later this week. It's all fine. So I go, and they're like, your numbers have dropped a bit. Um, you know, we're just going to watch. Come back tomorrow. I did. Numbers went back up. Perfect. Great. And then I go back like four or five days later, and they dropped again. And at this point, I started to get nervous. And I literally burst out in tears in the doctor's office. And she's like, it's okay, it's okay. And I'm like, I know, I'm just nervous. And I call Miko, and I'm I'm just crying and crying and crying. And it's like I'm already so attached like to him. So I'm like, what if it's me? What if I did something? What if I can't handle this? What if my my body can't? And Miko had to remind me like, you're going in a direction of an outcome that hasn't even happened. Like you're in, you're in the best hands that you can 
be in, the best care. And then it was, he was like, let's turn on a message. So we turned on a sermon. Chap, the message was about a, a pastor who was pregnant, who had pains, who they went away, and then they came back, and then she had to believe, and then they went away. I was like, Clarity, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> because it's like, I was, I was literally stuck on the couch, y'all, this entire week, last week, since it's Sunday. I was stuck on the couch. I could not hardly walk. I was like walking crazy just to get up and go to the kitchen and get something to drink or what have you. And it is like, did y'all see me walk up these steps? Like I, I was walking like normal and I feel zero pain like today. I felt hardly any pain yesterday. And the thing is, like at the last appointment, the great thing is we get to see him a lot. At the last appointment, he literally is flipping around on this ultrasound. He's oblivious to what's going on. And I'm over here like, what if I can't take it? And it's like God like, just had to remind me I am in control here. Just give it to me, please. And it's like when we did that, the pain just started to fade throughout the week. And I was blown away. And it was like, I'm about to preach a message on trusting God. And I'm over here like, oh, my gosh. You know, like, and I had to just be reminded where to look. And lastly, with this point, trust is not about God proving himself to us. It's about us believing that he is good. So I want you over your life to really look at the breadcrumbs. We sang a song that has beautiful words that say, my eyes don't have to see one more reason to believe. Because when I think of how you've blessed me, how your hand has never left me, you never let me go. You have been so good to me. God, I can't believe how you love me. What a friend you have been. He has zero to prove to me. He created this world. He created us. He created everything in it. He sent Jesus to die on a cross so that we could live, so that we could have heaven on earth even. What more does he have to prove? It is really up to us to believe. And really, I've seen enough over my lifetime. I've watched family members be freed from addiction. I've watched family and friends battle cancer over and over and be free from it. He freed me from a path of destruction, lies, manipulation, drugs, alcohol, all the things. And no matter how many times I put other things over him, he still chose me. He didn't say, you're too far gone. He didn't label me my, by my sin. He didn't keep reminding me of it. He instead called me daughter, just like he did the woman with the bleeding condition. And he calls me that every single day, no matter what happens. Even if there is a slide back, daughter, come on. <laughs> and that's it. So God has nothing to prove to me. If anything, I feel that I have something to prove to the world. Not to him, but to the world that he is good and that he is worthy of your trust and your love and your heart. And so I know many of you in the room trust God and you're walking in freedom. And I think that's amazing. But I know there are a lot of you who are lost who are confused and possibly depressed 
roaming around, not knowing what to do. Maybe you've tried before, tried Jesus, but circumstances have happened, life has happened, and now you're lost again. And if that's you, I want to remind you that you're in good company. It's just like how I talked about with my story. I thought I had to be perfect. I thought I wasn't created, you know, a certain way. But I was just as broken and lost as the next person, and he still welcomed me and now allows me to talk about it. And so let me tell you, as you know, I've tried many, many things, as I've talked about, that are now normal and accepted today in this life. I can confidently tell you that they will never satisfy you. I can confidently tell you that you will never feel the way that you will feel if you replace that with Jesus. And really, over time, what I've learned, the only thing that I can trust in this world is to consistently provide me with more reasons as to why we need Jesus. Like, that's it. I think there's some good out there for sure. But when you look around, the world is troubled. And that's more and more reason why we need Jesus. It took me being broken up on the floor, lost, to bring myself back together with God's help. And just like he sang, we sang not too long ago, God is not done with you yet. Your story really is just beginning and there's so much more to it. And that's opened up the door for me to have big faith, to have big trust and lead to amazing things happening. So remember that the world is loud. It is very, very loud. You can trust in the storm. You can trust in other people. You can trust in your past. You can trust in the world. Or you can trust in the one who created it all. So I want you to bow your heads today. Close your eyes. And ask God, what is he speaking to you? What should your response to this message be? Maybe God is speaking to you about getting to know him so you can build trust in him. Maybe he's telling you to let go and let him lead. Maybe you've been looking everywhere but up and you need to try something different. Or most importantly, maybe you've never made the decision to follow Jesus. Maybe when you've made that decision in the past, maybe you did make that decision in the past, but for whatever reason, you're not connected to him now. We want to give you that opportunity today, whether it's the first time or all over again. Don't be embarrassed by this. Everyone's eyes are closed. Everyone's heads are bowed. But I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. And if you want to be included in that prayer, I want you to boldly, on the count of three, raise your hand. One, two, three. Mm. Amen. Pray this in your heart. Jesus, I need you. I'm sorry I've lived my life without you. Come live inside me. Change me. Make me brand new. I surrender my whole life to you. Jesus, today I give you my guilt, 
my shame once and for all, and I receive your grace. And I choose to follow you, Jesus. Amen. If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at Queen City People or visit queencitypeople.com.